Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome back. It is it's episode seven. Wowzers. Bum, bum, bum. We are here to bring you the latest and greatest something or another <laughs> this this podcast is a little bit like how jen said what do they say spill the tea spill the tea oh, we're spilling it bridgerton stuff in it oh. Sp- oh i loved bridgerton no i watched episode one got bored oh i was here for it there's I not it. enough blood and guts and crime in it for me so um, it, was, it was a bit raunchy we're, go- we're going off on a tangent here we are, aren't we? <laughs> we're spilling the tea we've got a really interesting juicy podcast for you all um, we have the lovely Hannah from the Daily Mail Fashion Finder. So we're really, really excited to talk to her. I think that's going to be awesome. We have lots of um, responses to a question we put out on Instagram. We asked you all about salaries in the fashion industry. And we had so many messages, didn't we? Like we were yeah. inundated with people wanting for us to talk about it, telling us all the juicy gossip. So we're excited to spill the tea on that one. Spill the tea. You know, yeah, it's really, it's a really important thing that I think we need to talk about openly. And I won't spoil the discussion um, right now, but um, I think we want to thank um, our lovely followers. It's so nice. Absolutely. Imagine our people that are talking back to us. I don't feel so lonely. When we come and record this podcast, it's just obviously me, Laura, and the legend that is producer Pete. But now we feel like we're talking. We know who we're talking to. We've got all these... We've got people, people to talk to, which yeah. is nice. It's really lovely. We've had so many lovely messages and, and people, were, you know, and thank you so much to one of our followers who suggested this topic. Um, yes. And, and it's kind of opened up a conversation from there. And, um, you know, we want we want to be the voice for you guys as well and like, talk about things that are important to, to our followers and our, and our listeners. So we really hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and just off the back of that, actually, um, talking about the fact that we're really, really happy to have all these people interacting and commenting and stuff like that. It's really, really great that once our podcast goes out, um, to have responses from that as well. And we've had lots of people yeah. message um, in regards to, we talked a lot about vanity sizing, um, not in the previous one, but the one before that. And we had, we talked about whether there's a possibility of a, an app where you can go on and check your sizes for different brands. And thank you so much to Robin, who messaged to say there's a great app called eFitter where you can go in and put all your details um, and your measurements and things like that, and it's able to um, compare sizes for brands. So there you go. It is already out there. We We're not going to make our millions, are we? No. So thank you for Epita for ruining our um, excitement over that. No, but it sounds like a really <laughs> great app. And again, thank you. And we had some really good comments again around bride, um, around vanity sizing um, from someone that works in the fashion industry, um, in the bridal industry, sorry, and I talked about how actually vanity sizing could be a really great marketing um ploy as well and that in the bridal industry they tell you um to um, go down a size for the mother of the bride so if your bride goes in and the dress is a size 10 you um you offer the mother-in-law uh, mother-in-law mother of the bride a size 8 and it's like part of the sizing That's strategy so horrible though i know i know um, interesting interesting so yeah thank you so much it's really really great to get these comments um and as well as that some very great news we found out that we were number three in the iTunes chart, which we're really, really happy about. Blown so. away. Well, we got to number four, didn't we? And we were just over the moon because our goal within two years was to get into the top ten, wasn't it? We're yeah. like, that's our goal. If we get there, we'll be so, so happy. And then we got to number four and we just were absolutely gobsmacked. Yeah. Um, thought it was like the peak. And then Sophie messaged me and she was like, oh, we're number three. We're number 
three. Well, we're not anymore, but we were. <laughs> yeah, we're not now, but... So, yeah, we thank you. There. Keep us in that top thank ten. Thank you so much. Makes us really, really proud and makes it all very much worth doing. So, yeah, we really hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so our in the know today is all about fashion wages. And as we said, we've had some fantastic responses on our Instagram regarding this. But first of all, I'd like to, I want to dedicate this podcast to the merch life and life of a BAA because of them, we have gained significant amount of followers and they've just been really kind to us. So thank you so much. Um, also to Merchandying, who recently did a, I don't know whether it was an Insta poll or research around salaries within the UK. Um, from buyers, allocators, designers, all that type of thing. So that's really helped us in terms of data for this podcast. So let's get down to the nitty gritty of wages in the fashion industry. And as uh, podcasters and what you know what we like to do, we like to present a balanced argument of everything. And it's been really nice to read through some of the messages, as Laura said, and we've had some real negative responses and some really positive responses as to how uh, people are paid, kind of the perks and the pay, because a big part of working in the fashion industry um, as well as a wage to live on is is the perks of it and the perks sometimes are really fantastic but essentially sometimes those perks don't necessarily pay the rent um so you know there's lots to think about and lots of you know we've got head office, uh, head offices um marketing agencies all these uh, businesses all across the country now and uh, the fashion industry is definitely moving quite a london centric industry which is really really great as we know that like, the living uh, wage in london is particularly high um, and in and other cities is uh, slightly lower, which makes it a little bit more feasible. So I think my, to start off with, my frustration with maybe retailers that don't pay, you know, a, a, what we would deem a good wage or um, a fair wage, um, you know, when people have to live and have to pay bills, is the fact it goes back to what we said in that very first podcast, clothing is essential. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. Again, thank goodness Pete has got clothes on today. He didn't last time. <laughs> um, we all need... He's tripping. Da, 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 da. <laughs> we da, 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 all need clothes. Even Pete. Can someone please have a word with Pete and tell him to start turning up? Half <laughs> the studio. God sake, Pete. Half naked. Um, no, on a serious note, we do. We all need clothes. <laughs> um, and it goes back to that point when, you know, Boris and, and the UK government deem that clothing is non-essential. It is essential. We need clothes. And the fashion industry is huge. It's global. Sorry, I've just got oh, this thing of gosh. imagine going to work and everyone's naked and then people just get a little bit excited. <laughs> Laura, you're so inappropriate. Imagine all the HR complaints, though. Sorry. No, but you know what? It's an absolute point. We are dealing <laughs> with one of the biggest industries in the world. So sometimes, why doesn't the wage yeah. reflect... The I, industry. I think it's fashion in particular because I, agree. I think because it's such a what do you call it glamorized job. That's the that's the problem that people that companies can pay poorly because everybody wants to do it. Yeah, I think I think with fashion because of things like Devil Wears Prada and all that. There's this whole thing around the fashion, this whole like stigma of it being. You're lucky to get a job in yeah. fashion. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You're not lucky. It's it's a job. Yeah, and you've like any other industry. Yeah. I remember when I did my work placement. Bear in mind, this was like ten years ago, and I have no idea if this is actually true or a fact. But I'm just going to tell you the story anyway. But um, I used to work. Well, it was a PR agency that I was with, and it was providing loads of their brands, um, clothing and stuff to different magazines. So we had like a database of all the magazines, all the people that worked at Vogue, all the designers, everything. And I was told by one of the people that worked at this agency 
that parents would actually pay to get their children that internship. What? So say you wanted a position at Vogue, their parents would almost like bid for their child to have an internship. And it's almost like a little bit like, well, if you've got the money. And that's the infuriating thing. And that's what really gets me. Um, and it's also the standards that these companies have as well. Um, I don't know if you, there's this girl on TikTok. I, I get lost in TikTok. Oh, I don't I even know why it. I'm on it. Three why days, I, I deleted it. it, couldn't deal with it. Don't know why I'm doing it. But anyway, I was watching this girl at TikTok and she left Vogue recently. Um, and this was American Vogue. And she was saying that she was told, she had like a cracked phone screen. And she was told that she had to replace her phone screen because it looked bad on the company. She wasn't allowed her nose ring. And if you want to dye your hair, you have to get management sign off to dye sorry, your hair. Sorry, what? I'm like, <laughs> this is just crazy. Wow. And that kind of feeds in what we're, get, what we're going to talk about on the next podcast as well, which we will go back to about like certain policies and, and fairness around the workplace. It's all very much inspired by um, people being forced to wear heels in the workplace. But... That again is a whole other tangent. But it my goes friends. on. It goes on to like if you work for a certain brand, like I know this isn't head office, but when I just worked at Selfridges throughout university as like a sales assistant, you are given a certain amount of budget for your uniform, but you still have to buy some yourself because it's mm-hmm. never enough. They they pay for like I don't know three items for like a quarter of the year, but if you're working full time. That's in terms enough. of like rotating it, washing it, and blah 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 blah. It's not enough. So it you have to more to wash it. Yeah, so you have to buy a garment, but it's really expensive. Like I worked at the Coupals, um, and it was really expensive. So I didn't have the disposable income from from just you know having a uni job to pay. So it's really hard. And I think if you work for a designer brand or whatever, you've got to keep up that thing of I've got to wear the latest stuff. I've got to look really presentable. And if you're on a an entry-level salary. How are you expected to do that? Yeah, you know what? It goes back to actually when I was, again, when I was working, when we were both at university. I'm not going to name the brand, um, but it was a, um, I used to work part-time for a brand and it was commission-based, so my salary was poor. Like, I'm talking about £3 an hour, but it was in the loophole of commission. Yeah. However, it was really difficult because the people that worked at that company had worked their years. So, like, if anyone walked in, it was like they knew them mm. and they knew that they'd get the commission. So I used to get, like, like 2p for selling a, a T-shirt. <laughs> it was unbelievable, but it was the same. You were expected to wear their yeah. stuff. And what they, what brands sometimes do is position perks and discounts as, as again, a perk of it. So then you get Staff sucked discount. into this whole thing, but actually you end up spending more because you can't wear anything else other than their stuff. Well, all you're doing is putting money back into the company. Yeah, it's a bit It's a bit of sort of when you're paid poorly in yeah. the first place. Yeah, like yeah. someone sent a lovely message on Instagram um, earlier saying that they used to work for a luxury brand um, and the wage was really, really low. But again, they were kind of butted up with the perks and they got plenty of free handbags from this luxury brand. Yes. But they made the comment, those handbags don't pay the rent. Yeah, they'd lovely. rather, they'd rather yeah, the cash. Yeah, what, you're going to be homeless with a, a lovely, I'm not going to name the brand, a lovely yeah. design handbag worth, uh, you know, a couple of grand on, on on your arm, but you can't afford to keep a roof over your head. So, yeah, I think, I mean, like you said, it goes back to the, the idea that it, it is a fashion industry thing. And before we recorded this podcast today, I just spent some time doing a little bit of research, getting myself on um, Google Jobs and Indeed, and just looking at the difference between, like, entry level um, positions. Mm. I, I didn't find it so much in buying. I was looking at BAA positions and MAA positions, and there probably was a couple of grand difference. So you know, at the moment on on Indeed, there's jobs that misguided. There's jobs at lots of different places, and all quite, a lot of them do now say competitive salary. Not many of them actually say. Why don't they disclose it? I'm sorry. I'm not going to go through all the faff of applying for loads of jobs 
to then get off well, that's, it. Well, I think that's the terrible. trap. But that's the trap, yeah. isn't it? Especially imagine if you're a graduate now and you're applying for jobs and you say, oh my God, I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling out misguided. I'm not saying this is of misguided, but I saw misguided jobs and I know a few of our students are applying there right now. There's lots of merchandise and buying BAA positions, which is great. But if you don't know from the off and people are too scared to talk about money if you don't know from the off and especially then you get if, you, given if it's it, your first job you're hardly going to be like okay well I'm not happy with what you've offered so can you give me a bit more yeah where now I think because we've been in the industry for like 10 years I would happily like go for a job and say mm, well yeah. I've been offered this elsewhere so can you match it or yeah and it's having the confidence to do that and I think people are made to feel lucky again it's that thing that stigma you get in, you get into work in the fashion industry like it's like an honour or a privilege it's just a job for I mean, a brand that you love yeah like, but yeah. I do get it that when you're a graduate and you leave and I'm sure all you know we're talking at the moment we're talking to some of our listeners that are graduates we're talking to some of our listeners that are working in industry but you've all been there you've all whether that be five years ago 20 years ago you've all been kind of fresh out of uni and looking at these positions but I think it's quite naughty that these companies are removing mm. these wages now I think then it, it's all about transparency across every Again. industry yeah but I did some comparing and I, in particular I found looking at kind of social media execs marketing execs those kind of things some of the fashion retailers and and um, kind of uh, consumer product ones we're, we're looking at you know I don't know somewhere between 18 and 20 it comes up with like Glassdoor says this average job is this salary and if they don't name it I then started looking at general social media execs um, at different industries I, I mean obviously all businesses will have someone that's doing their social media mm-hmm. but some of these positions that weren't fashion related were 30 grand starting yeah. 25 yeah, yeah, grand yeah. starting so what is that that jump and why, why does it matter it's the same with like Jaguar Land Rover um, I remember when I moved into my first role after university I lived with a house shared with two people that worked at Jaguar Land Rover and they had like a starting salary on like the grad scheme for like 30 35k wow. and when I started my first job after, after uni I think I was on 17k and my rent was like 550 pounds and then my like petrol was like 150 then I could only spend like 30 quid a week on food and then by the time my phone bill and all that stuff I had like 60 quid for the month to be able to like go out socialize go out for dinner and it was just I just remember it being so tight and they just had so much money but they weren't in fashion but we've noticed a couple of our students have gone on to um, Poundland and although Poundland doesn't sound glamorous because it's not that, oh my God, I'm working for this amazing fashion brand, their grad scheme is brilliant, isn't it? And there's yeah, so many well other paid. brands like that. And it's like, just because you've got fashion, why does it make yeah. you less? Aldi, Aldi's the same. Aldi, the wages yes. at Aldi, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of, our, of, of students and people that have um, not only messaged us about kind of retail, uh, about head office roles, but also about the pay in retail as well. So I do think it, it's, you know, across the board, if you, I mean, we'll take Aldi as we're talking about it. You know, Aldi, isn't their, like, wage, like, something, like, ridiculously high in comparison yeah, to just an, working on shop floor in I think their starting brand. salary for a, for a grad is like 35k it's just for, amazing isn't it? it's amazing for something that is deemed essential for one of the biggest industries in the world um so yeah i mean for me i mean in terms of my experience of, of working in the fashion industry i what well, i will say obviously um, i did move down and, and worked for love who have mentioned before and in all fairness to love i actually feel like i was paid particularly fairly and probably fairly and more I've had I had quite a, a lucky experience um, and financially felt very looked after um I had really great perks on top of that they paid for my travel and my phone bill oh, as part good. of that but it was a very small family run business mm. I've never I've never worked for but do you know what sometimes that be- that's better to yes. work for a smaller brand because I always think like whenever I've said said to you a couple of times haven't haven't I when you've been like ill or um anything like that I always think 
when you're, you know, you're sat at your desk and you feel like you're absolutely dying and you're like, I'm on death's door. And you I, feel like you've got to be there. Yeah, you've got that pressure of I have to be at work. I always think, like, at the end of the day, it sounds horrible, but we are we are a payroll number yeah. and we are replaceable. Yeah. Um, but that's going back to when we've had that conversation of you've got to make yourself indisposable. Yeah. You know? It's a balance, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've just looked actually online at the... Uh, Aldi graduate scheme and it's starting at 44,000. What? The graduate, oh, that's the area manager program by Aldi is one of the UK's most lucrative graduate schemes with a £44,000 starting salary and an offer to buy your own Audi A4 or BMW 3 Series. Wow. That's so good. Pete's mouth is like, I am out of here. But that's it. We've now just lost Pete. So what we're going to have to do now is put a vacancy (laughs) up for a producer because Pete has just left the building, left us here at Brim Radio. Naked. (laughs) Naked, running down the road to get his Aldi uniform on. Literally, we'll we'll hunt you down, Pete. But the thing is, you know, Aldi as well, brands like Aldi and Poundland have that... the, the fashion element now, like the, one of their special buys the other week, you know, because I'm always in Aldi in the middle of one of their special aisles was all, it was all like men's clothing and sweats and stuff like that. They've got sportswear in there, they do beauty. I'm going to say something oh. really, really stupid. Go on. And I'm putting it out there and I'm, I'm okay with sounding stupid. That's fine. But Aldi, Aldi's product prices are really cheap, okay? Yeah. So surely they're, they're not making like a huge markup i don't know but why do they pay so well and from that merchandising instagram um on their salary section and i i wasn't gonna say this because it hurts me to say it but apparently one of the best brands for paying you well in buying is primer <laughs> I've just burst Primark. people's eardrums. Yes, it is Primark. But how, though? How can they pay people so, so well and they to really look after their staff and all these things when the product prices is so low? Because you know what? Maybe some fashion brands, obviously, they take more profit and pay the top tier. Uh, I'm not saying... I can't name any. I'm not saying they all do. But there's some obviously fashion brands that obviously take all that profit and there's that top tier that benefit from that. Whereas other brands will look at how that filters down through the business. And I think that's the frustration. Mm-hmm. And that's what I get generally from, from the messages we've had today. You know, as I said, we're gonna, we are going to provide that balanced argument. But a lot of people have said, you know, someone had said, oh, I know I'm on this much money and I'm struggling to pay my rent. So the, the, the boss is moaning at me that we're not making enough money. Um, however, I, you know, I've seen this much money go through the books and this, that and the other. Yeah. The boss is on, on, on. And they've just bought a brand new whatever car. Yeah. Um, you know, and people are coming to us and saying that. So it, it, it's about, you know, maybe that, and that's the thing that Prime... Uh, Primark, as an example, maybe they are filtering that money down. Yeah, no, they're not yeah. making that massive markup on all the product. But it's not just those, that top, the big top tier that, that make the money. Yeah, because I, I always wonder, like, because all my friends that are in buying, they never work a nine to five. Like, even people that have been messaging us today on um, our Instagram, they have been saying, oh, sometimes I work like eight till 8.30. Yeah. And I think, God, if you divided your salary up hourly, you're probably getting paid less than a minimum wage per hour. Mm-hmm. And that just breaks me. I'm like, it's just so frustrating to think that some people are, you know, overworked and underpaid. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it from from the general uh, conversations and comments that we've had today, it seems like that there is that that jump. What I've taken from some of the messages is that first initial job is really low pay. I mean, we've had yeah. we've had people say to us today that their first job started somewhere like twelve, yeah, like as a garment tech or a BAA, twelve k. 
Like, how is that even doable, especially in London? Yeah. I mean, obviously, some of these... It's not. There, it's no, not. It's, it, isn't, it isn't doable. I struggled, and I was on a lot more than 12K. Um, but you then, I think... And I understand people aren't ex- as experienced and, and you take X, You y, take what you can because you want to get your foot in the door, don't you? Yeah, you do. But there then does seem to be, at least with some of the people we've spoken to today, that have got oh, two years later, I've gone up to yes. 23. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not from 12 to 23, but like from 18 to 23. Yeah. So it seems like you have to go and get your foot in the door and do that six sure. to 12 months. And then you move, especially with some of these and big it's worth that you it. move, and it, is, and it is worth yeah, it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I know this, this girl that I went to uni with... Um, back in the day and her salary was so low that she actually when she moved to london for a buying role she had to share a bedroom with somebody else in london because she just couldn't afford the rent because the rent in london is just flipping extortionate and that's why i'm happy that the industry is coming away from it just being london based there's lots of of manchester Manchester. brands because it's making working in the fashion industry industry a lot more affordable for people um again when when i moved down um to london i mean i've got no complaints i felt really looked after I mean, London made it very expensive anyway. My room in uh, Zone 4 of London um, was more than my mortgage is now on my house. Yeah, that is just mad. Which is insane. That... But London wages is is, um, is a whole other issue. But um, I moved down with um, some friends that I used to work with in Topshop and friends that I, you know, we did the degree with. And I'm not naming names. It's, this is very much an anonymous podcast. But, you know, I moved in and, I, yeah, I was okay. It wasn't like the most amazing wage in the world. But, I, you know, I was looked after, as I said. But there was um, one of my friends who worked for um, a, high, a big high street retailer um, who started on about 17. Um, and it was really awful because we were on such varying wages in our houses because we all lived together. You know, some of us could afford to do more than others yeah. and eat better. Like, you know, it essentially it's true, but there's a difference between buying some smart price bread and beans to have for your tea and all being able to go pop to Sainsbury's and get... But also the restriction of not being able to socialise as much as well. Yeah. But we don't want this to be a negative podcast because we are saying, you know, if that is you, stick at it. And also, don't be afraid to leave and go to a different company and, and come back. I mean, I've seen so many of my friends go and then come back to the company and get that pay yeah, rise. Yeah, play the game. Play the game. And I, I think what's really important, we had an alumni talk with some of our students last week. Um, the lovely Zoe, I'm going to name Zoe because she's fabulous, came to speak to our students and I think really inspired some of our students, um, talked about how she budgets living in London. And a lot of them are asking questions about, you know, what do you think is like the minimum expectation, which was really interesting. And she said a really, really nice thing to the students and she's really passionate about financial transparency but not not like between a business and a person but just between people what is the shame you know there's this whole taboo thing people about what you about salaries do they? Oh, like it, it doesn't bother me and it doesn't bother me talking about it but i would say the majority of people mm. do yeah but like... i wouldn't announce my salary on here now oh no no <laughs> but that, yeah if i was having a conversation yeah you know not being recorded and lots of different people <laughs> listening the strangers um, yeah to the strangers um, but um, I think we do need to be able to talk about it. Um, and she was saying from her interview, before she even got an interview and she had a conversation with HR, and they asked her what her wage expectations are. And I think if you're a graduate and you're confronted with that, you know, you don't want to go too high because you think, I'm not going to get a job. Yeah. But I think it's uh, um, about knowing what you're worth. And you know, it was a really great tool that my lovely, um, one, of my mother in, one of my mother-in-laws, Vicky, thank you, Vicky, love you, Vicky. Um, told me about it. she used to work in recruitment and there's this fab tool called Adzuna and you can put your CV on there and it scans your CV and it tells oh. you what you are worth based on oh, the skills God. and the positions and those kind of key words 
Um, I mean, obviously, that's I'm not. I'm not saying you can go to a job interview and go Azula said or Sophie. <laughs> well, I Sophie's think mother-in-law so. Vicky said that Azula said. Um, but I think it's really nice, and I think that makes people maybe rethink about their their CV. But I think we need to. If anything comes from this podcast, it's not that again. We don't want it to be negative because there's lots of brands, like we said, that have pay really, really fairly, pay fairly, the um, perks. perks, you know, travel included, uniform, staff discounts, all those Lunch, things, lunches, lunches. Oh, absolutely. There's a, oh, was it? There was a brand that I saw the other day. I saw it first. There we go. I was it looking is. at staff. Oh, I love a bit of I saw mm-hmm. it first. I'm actually I'm wearing I saw it first joggers and trainers today. <laughs> Um, send me more. <laughs> um, pay their staff lunch lunches every day. I think that's amazing. What an amazing perk. God, I'd save a fortune. Oh, I know. Exactly. And I think that is... So there's so many companies that actually can add to your salary in amazing ways yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Rather than it being like cash, it's... Yeah, it's and sometimes like, you know, are you, when I used to work in London, I used to get um, three pieces of uniform a month on top of a good wage, some uniform. I love the brand. And I think you get that. You get that engagement then and you become like an ambassador for the brand. There's no point, you know. Yeah, it's free advertising for the brand if you're yeah, in their stock. Absolutely. Like, it's a great tool. I just, don't, I just don't want perks and discount to be a trap no, uh, for no. underpayment. It needs to it needs to fit and sit well. Um, you know, so there's you know, there is plenty of of, of retailers on there uh, on there that do pay fairly and have all these amazing perks like your travel, like your mm. lunches and stuff like that. But I do think we just need to start to have this conversation. You can go on Glassdoor as well, can't you? And and look at what the average is for that job role. Yeah. So if you haven't worked before and you are straight out of university, you could just go in and say, what is the average for a BAA in, I don't know, Yorkshire? You yeah. Know? Because it's going to differ outside of London because obviously the cost of living is higher. But that's another thing that's really peeing me off at the moment. <laughs> it's just I don't feel like any anybody, well, obviously some people, but a lot of salaries don't reflect cost of living at the moment. Yeah, and that's the problem. Um, is that's that, the struggle. Yeah, that is the struggle. And it's that like live to work, work to live thing, yeah. isn't it? But that's why I think it's so, so important to love what you do. You've got to love what you do for it to be for it to be worth it because you spend, like we always say, like we're so lucky to have each other because we, you spend so much time with people that you work with oh, God. that it's got to be a healthy environment. Like you don't want to be in that toxic negativity of going in and, and you know that? Have you ever had that kind of like butterflies? God, I feel sick. Like, oh my God, I don't want to go to work today. I can't bear seeing so and so or going in that yeah. meeting. So I feel not so working. lucky. I've never had that. Have you not? I've oh never God, had I that have. at any job. I've I've been in a job role where my boss has just made my life hell and I just was getting migraines. I was really sick and I was like, why am I so ill? And then I just realized as soon as I stepped away from that and mm-hmm. went into a different role, like my partner's like, you're just a completely different person. Like you're just so optimistic and content and I don't think people realize the strain it has on you physically and mentally if, yeah. you're, if you don't enjoy your job like guys life is too short to spend your days making money for somebody else and not enjoying yourself yeah I couldn't agree with that more so I want to refer now to some of the statistics um that we um we I think we've pinched them for merchandising. Yes, we have. We <laughs> so a big shout out to the merchandising. Okay, we've yeah, no, but we'll promote we're, we're happy to mention this is where they're from. And Laura's got some really great um insights to kind of the average wages and some comparisons. So I think this is really interesting yeah, stuff. Well I didn't screenshot all of them, but the um top so the top three apparently best brands buying to work for and buying is Primark, Zalando, Ted Baker. Ah, so he's Zalando. Four, yeah, number four is Debenhams. Rest in peace, Debenhams. Oh, that's really sad. Or I could go and work for Debenhams Boohoo. 
Um, Zalando, so Mike was on the last podcast, yeah. wasn't he, talking about what an amazing time he had at Zalando and what a great brand. Obviously, I don't know if they have a London office as well as their Berlin office, mm. but yeah. So worldwide, the average role for a buy, uh, average pay for a buyer is 36k. Is that a buyer, not a BAA or a no, BA? That's, that's a just, buyer. That's buyer. See, if you think if some of those roles do start out at like 17, 18 grand, there is that really big jump, but it's how long yeah. within that business it takes you to get there. Oh, so in the UK... And the average pay for a buyer is 34k, but an entry buyer's admin assistant in the UK is 20k on average. Okay, 20k is not so bad, but when we start, when we've seen some of those ones that are like 12, 13, 16, yeah, but that, 17. I think that was a while ago. Okay, like I don't think that's, I don't think anybody's on 12 at the moment, but even 20k, when you think about it, what is that? God, I don't even know what that is, that take home per month when your taxes and all that stuff come out. If you're living in London, 20k, that's not going to get you very far. No, is it? it's not. What else have we got? Senior buyer is 59k. You know, these are all on average. It's kind of worth it in the long run. You just kind of have to make those sacrifices. But it's it's making those sacrifices, okay, and not going out and splurging. Yeah. Um, but not to be Knowing at the it's point. There was uh, someone that messaged us to say that um, they used to go out from work and stuff, and they, was, they were like, I can't remember, it was like a BAA or, or you know, a graduate entry level type role. And they used to drink water because they really just could not afford to have that drink. But it just seemed... It's a, it, the problem then, we'll take from this, is those graduate roles. And I've yes. got, you know, I do understand from business, uh, a fashion brand's perspective, it's, it's, it is entry level for a reason. But what they don't take into consideration is that people will be moving to London or, you know, the cost of living and all those things. It's got to be... There's got to be a meeting point and, yeah, and a push sure. for those. But, but you know... You know, if you're within a if you're senior buyer within I don't know eight years, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And you've you've gone from like eighteen grand but to sixty nine grand. A girl that was in the year below us at university, she became a I think she became like a buyer for it's other Reese or Cos, and she did it in like six years. Wow! So it is possible, but I for me, and that's my advice for you guys, if you are in industry, if you're just starting out in industry is when you go for that interview, ask. Ask what is the average time it takes to get from one level yeah, to the other. really important Because question. I know a couple of people that work at Next, there's like levels within levels, and it's oh. weird. So if you're a buyer's admin assistant, I think there's like buyer's admin assistant one, two, three. Oh, and that's a bit like buyer. our role, isn't it? You've got those four points between every time Yeah, but I've, I haven't known that in the buying industry before to have those levels. Normally it's like BAA onto assistant yeah. buyer. On Maybe it gives you that that direction though that BA1 BA2 there's, there's those but little... is, does that take you longer to oh, get from true. one to the other so it's like say it's a year per one it might take you longer so it's just it's just having that transparency in your interview to understand well you know can do people tend to progress within two years or is it like five years what is the time frame yeah um yeah I think that's I think that's I think that's the kind of a nice ending point and a nice takeaway, isn't it, to, to think about financial transparency and just being able to confidently have that conversation yeah. and not to be ashamed to ask for more. 100%. Um, and, you know, and if you are struggling... Don't get yourself into debt. No, go and speak to your bosses. There is, I'm sure there's some kind of legality in contracts. Read your contracts. A lot of us sign it on the dotted line. Yay! Yeah, read you know, it. Read your contracts because there'll be, there'll be points in which you can request pay reviews and things like that not that you're guaranteed to get them yes you could I think you can say that within your first interview and say okay I'm, I'm happy to accept this position on this salary but can I please have a pay review in 12 months time yeah I think that's that's completely fair but talk to people talk to the person sat next to you what are you on oh there would be oh my god wouldn't it be horrendous yeah if but we need to the encourage same role that. as you that's on like 5k more You'd yeah be pretty fuming then it also gives you that ammunition to 
to look at maybe what they're doing different. And it, it's, mm. it's a HR case, isn't it? Like you can go yeah. and go and have that conversation. And if you are, you know, if you have got a lovely job where you think, you know, you work fair hours and you've got a great wage, great perks, and the business really values you. Kind don't of, leave. Don't leave. <laughs> and, and, and tell us about Never it. Never leave. Never leave. One thing that I want to say to end this is, um, you know that saying, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. When I first heard that, I was really angry because I was like, but I don't have any contacts in fashion. I don't know these people. I don't have uncles that work for this and aunties that do this, work in Singapore or whatever. But I think what I've taken from that is that it's it's networking. And I think that's really important. Have a strong LinkedIn profile, connect to people, talk to people. The amount of times that we've been talking to somebody, even through Instagram, and we've managed to, to do something or get on something or, yeah. you know, it's, it's, just, it's just networking. It's chatting to people to understand the industry further. Absolutely. Absolutely. So welcome to this week's Get to Know of the Fashion Academics podcast. And we have a really fabulous guest today. Um, we'd like to introduce Hannah Eichler, who is a, a currently acting deputy um, editor at the um, Daily Mail, working on the Fashion Finder. So we're really excited to talk to you about that. But also you are a fellow fashion academic. Um, so lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming on, Han. Oh, thanks so much for having me. We were saying just before we were recording that this is my only my second podcast I've ever done. So you guys are going to have to ease me in. Oh, bless you. You'll be fine. We don't bite. <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all you're all good. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us. As you know, we like to we like to get lots of different perspectives from the fashion industry and different people and roles. And you've had a, a super amazing career. And um, when I spoke to you and connected with you on LinkedIn and we talked about you coming on the podcast, I realised I knew the name. I was like, I know the name. I know the name. And then I. Really I realised when I worked um, worked down in London at Mad PR that we'd, we'd spoken. I think you were uh, yeah. look at, working at Look Magazine yeah. at, at a point, um, which was, yeah, back, back, I think it was like 2011, 2012, and Look Magazine was the one, wasn't it? I know. It was the big guns. Such amazing memories of working there. It was like kind of like my second job, so it was like so much fun, and I had a great time and met so many people. And like people still talk about how amazing it was now, and I, yeah, it's, it was such a shame to see it go. But oh, I I've got bet, so yeah. many friends, so many nice memories from from that time. Oh, that's lovely. That's good. <laughs> so that leads us on really lovely to our first question. Just for you to tell our listeners about your kind of career in fashion journalism. If you want to talk a little bit about um, your teaching that you've done at um, Solent University as well, um, yes. and kind of just you know, kind of off the back of what we've just said, really, how like you. You know, you've been in the fashion journalism industry a while now, and obviously you've seen lots of different changes and stuff. So, like, tell us about you know what you think and how the fashion media landscape has changed for your role. I mean, completely different, hasn't it? Like, so when I studied uh, writing fashion at Solent University, which is where I now teach, and you know, when I look at you know the kind of subjects that we were studying, and also kind of how the industry was, like when. I graduated is completely different to what it is now. Mm. I mean, I remember being in my second year of, of uni at Solon and getting Facebook and it all being like, and then MySpace wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> like, social media is like such a pivotal part of my career, like not just in terms of like with Fashion Finder, like not just in terms of kind of like tracking down different outfits and different looks, but also kind of using it as like to have a bit of a profile about yourself like somebody when I left look um 
a girl who I'm still really good friends with now, like she said to me, it's always really important to have a digital presence mm. or have an online presence. And that stayed with me ever since because it was at that time when kind of websites and social media was really like blowing up and we knew it was going to be big. So, you know, social media is such a key tool in my industry from every single aspect, like research down to kind of like self-promotion even though I'm absolutely shocking at self-promotion. So, yeah, totally different. It is, it's a hard thing to do. And we, we actually teach our students at BCU about, um, we have like a, a self-promotion module before they leave. And I was, I was doing yeah. some research actually for some of my lectures and a lot of kind of the old definitions of self-promotion are really negative. And it's like really like yeah. you, it's, you're trying to kind of get above other people. And it's just about, about like kind of real negative connotations around self-promotion. But actually it's changed over the last few years and it's about kind of encouraging that. But it is quite difficult, isn't it? Especially when you're, you're quite a humble person to like, to to be talking about your achievements and what you're proud of yeah I think that's the thing isn't it like you're always taught that being younger that being boastful is actually a really negative thing but actually it's really important to be able to have confidence confidence in like shouting about what you're good at but I think the really crucial thing is is that you know when I was at uni and when I graduated I was always quite focused on it almost like bothered me like what other people were doing like comparing myself to others mm. and that wasn't that was a bit wasn't the right way to go because like other people had skills that I didn't but then on the flip side I had skills that they didn't so I think it's always really important to like stay on in your lane like know your strengths and shout about them I I'm never that. confessing to be like really really amazing at photography I, I don't think that I'm the most amazing stylist in the world but I can write and I know that that's where my skill set it my strongest skill set is so and I'm comfortable with that and I think it's taken a little while for me to be really comfortable in it and and that's okay you know and I, I think that's the one thing that I say to a lot of my students and a lot of like younger people who talk to me now is just be really confident in your own skills like don't worry about what other people are doing like just worry and think about like where your skill set is and your career will come naturally I think that's a really positive refreshing outlook as well I don't know whether that comes with age where the older <laughs> you get you care less about comparing yourself yeah, to maybe. others I don't know but I, I just find that really refreshing to hear somebody who's very successful in the industry be comfortable in their own skin and say I know what I can do I know what I'm capable of I know my worth yeah definitely and that's not to say that I'm stale, like I'm always more, no. <laughs> and you know I don't just say right. That's what I can do. That's that. I think it is really important to stay competitive and always learn more. Like I'm a bit of a geek in that I we really are love to learn, and too. I get a bit geeky about it. So if there's things like like with work, like they do like free courses, I'm always wanting to do that sort mm. of stuff. And I really, really encourage that. So. It's, it's growing as well. And I, I think it's adapting to what's happening around us. Like you yeah, said, definitely. like 10 years ago when we were, you know, in, just starting off in industry or graduating, social media wasn't a really big thing. And we've had to learn yeah. along the way. Like I'm only just like figuring out TikTok and oh, I'm like, oh my I God. <laughs> I refuse. And now there's new I, things popping no. up and it's just too much. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't think I can do TikTok. No. I think 
it's it's almost a step too far. There's I mean, a line. Never say never. It's um, <laughs> yeah. There is a very 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 fine line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I downloaded it a couple of months back, and I think it lasted on my phone for about three days. And my partner was very much just go on because there's loads of dog videos. And it's just an absolute time waster. Isn't yeah, it? I just know yeah. I, I can't do it. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's amazing. So you've had a really successful career. You know, like I said, you've worked at Look, you've, you know, you're at Daily Mail, working on a, an amazing project, um, Fashion Finder. So uh, obviously you said uh, before we started the podcast that you were actually kind of part of that very beginning process of, of Fashion Finder. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about kind of where it came from and how, you know, that was, well, wow, 2011, 2012? Um, and kind of where it is now. So it's at least, at least like 10 that, years yeah. old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's mad. So I was working at Look at the time and somebody who I knew from industry, who I still know now, and she had gone over, she had been working at um, one of the newspapers at the time and she went over um, to work on the female desk and she was kind of recruiting some writers for Fashion Finder, but it was all like a bit cloak and dagger at the time. Mm. So no one really knew much about it. And then... They offered me some work, but it kind of wasn't enough for me to leave Look. So the first time they offered me the work, I turned it down because I was like, it's too much of a risk. Like, you know, I've got rent to pay and all yeah, that. So absolutely. I turned it down and then obviously regretted it. But then stayed at Look a little while longer and then they approached me again about it. So it, I think it was going for about a year before they then messaged me again. And we were like, they were like, right, we would like to get you on board. So then I was like, fine, it's my time. Like this, if I can't say no to this again. No, no they definitely it, wanted you, didn't they? Yeah. So I went there, like left looking, and I started them. And for a really long time, like it was nobody knew who was writing these articles. And it was when you would explain it to PRs, they were like, what? So how does it work then? Like we don't understand it. Who writes those? And because there's no, like, you don't get a byline on the articles, so mm -hmm. nobody really knew, like, who was creating this content and helping their products sell out, and it was, like, us, like, just in the office, and it's really, really grown, and it's become so successful, like, over the last 10 years that they've since, like, sent teams over to New York to open up an office over there. Wow. Um, with a, a launch a team with Fashion Finder in, in New York, and... Um, you know, it's a great team to be part of because you kind of have, there's different arms, arms to it in that you can be reporting about, you know, the Oscars one minute and then the next minute you're writing about someone from, like, TOWIE. Mm -hmm. um, so you get to know, like, you get abreast of, like, who all these, like, reality TV stars are. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know about Fashion Finder, um, it's... Um, part of the Mail Online where we go in and we write about this, um, what the celebrities are wearing in like the showbiz stories. So, you know, like I said, we could be writing about anything from like amazing like red carpet dresses to like lingerie. Over lockdown, we've written so many stories about <laughs> loungewear, lingerie, oh, um, but it's really, really fun. Um, and also dangerous because you I spend money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine like you yeah, you're seeing those pictures and exactly where it's from and you're like, Ah, yeah. save me one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, buy that. Definitely. 
And then you you get into this like vein of thinking, well, I can afford that. So then you go like buy this stuff, and you think, damn it, like. I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's what I don't miss about London <laughs> that's definitely what I don't miss because I, I, I remember um I started to work for a brand um back in 2011 um called In Love With Fashion um mm-hmm. and I just remember you know if, if you got your if you got a dress you got your client's dress on the daily mail or the mail online uh, it was just like oh my goodness and this was kind of before fashion finder I remember speaking to like the CEO of In Love With Fashion he was just like they need to do something because everyone asked everyone was like where's this dress from where's this dress from and yeah. no one knew and then suddenly fashion finder appeared and it was just like a PR dream it was just like <laughs> yeah. yes we can tag our products directly and the impact yeah. it used I mean I, I say for, I say used to for me obviously I, I don't work directly directly in industry anymore but I'm sure obviously it's continued and it's grown it must create some amazing sales and opportunities for some of these brands yeah it's incredible like we see it so like throughout the day like you have to go back and kind of check on your stories so as a prime example like anything that Kate Middleton wears is always a sellout like a few weeks ago like I wrote a story about her wearing this like pink Bowden jumper I had to find it from, like, because you are basically a fashion detective. <laughs> and you down, like, where these clothes are from, like, just from, like, a tiny detail. So all I had of her was a picture of, a, like, a, like, her neckline. And I noticed that this pink jumper had scallops on it. So I Googled, like, pink scallop jumper, and it weirdly came up from Bowdoin. And I wrote the story on it, got it all linked up, and it sold out, like, within a day. They had to restock it. So you have to go back and check on your stories all the time, like if they you reuse the images, for example. So you see what's selling out and who the most popular mm. people are, kind of what people like to wear. And you know, sometimes there's some real surprises of what shops are selling out and, and what's doing really well. But sometimes you would think that it's always gonna be the high street stuff. But a lot of the time, we see some of our readers or our big spenders, you know, and they buy the kind of really designer pieces from, like, the Netta Porters and the Matches and the Browns and, you know, and they love it. So it, it just goes to show that the platform appeals to everybody from people who are shopping at Pretty Little Thing to people who are shopping in, like, at Gucci. So it really appeals to everybody. So... It's a very powerful platform. That's amazing. I love your title, Fashion Detective. That's pretty <laughs> cool. So if, if there's ever a time where I need to find something or something's sold out or I've seen someone wearing something that I've got no clue, um, I'm going to come to you. Um, my other question on that was, have you seen, like, a change in, like, the kind of... You know, you were saying, obviously, you've got, like, someone from the Oscars or you've then got... Um, more like reality stars. Have you seen a change in like the demand of the type of person? Because when I was down in London, um, like it was very much still very like reality star, and I'm sure that's that is still there. But do, do you like ever get anything like in terms of like fashion influencers or you know people that aren't just celebs more so? Do you ever get like that kind of demand for stuff? I suppose it doesn't might necessarily be on mail online though. But I'm just wondering if there's been a change in who sells things. Um. It's definitely still the reality TV set have a strong impact. I think, you know, the Love Islands, like the, the soap stars, like do really, really well. And um, anyone um, like Ashley Roberts and um, Amanda Holden, they do really well. Obviously, Kate Middleton. 
so there's a real like wide breadth of people who do really well and that just tracks back to you know the people who are spending the money and that it is everyone from pretty little thing to you know poochie or whatever so you know it it really does change but obviously there's spikes in who's popular and who's not so naturally like because of the nature of kind of like SEO and like Google, like search terms and everything, we're always going to be reporting on like trending topics and things that people are really are really talking about. So we'll see that, you know, Holly Willoughby always as absolutely amazing. So, you know, when like we notice that actually, you know, when she has her two weeks off over summer or like Easter and stuff, we're not featuring her as much. And so it's other people that then kind of, take over in terms of popularity so it's really hard to tell kind of who is going to do well I guess but it's more that we have to be really responsive because we are a news site so it is all like being really responsive about like who's out like what are they doing like what are they wearing so it really does depend but I think that's kind of what keeps it really interesting is that actually there are some surprises along the way which is really good to use because we have like monthly um reports that um some of the girls on the team create and that's a really good insight for us to see like at the end of every month oh you know Kai Gerber was wearing mango and that really sold like sold out really well so it really kind of does depend but obviously there are times when like the Love Island people do particularly well because it's a current you know thing of conversation yeah. so we'll always make sure that we feature more Love Island people at a time when Love Island is on or that sort of thing and, and when Kate Middleton or um Meghan Markle like when they're out obviously they're our focus then so it is really about being like super responsive being really quick with your copy and getting things uploaded to the CMS so that's yeah it's just being being really responsive I think it's really interesting that you have a platform that's got such a broad demographic as well. Yeah. Um, but I always wonder, how do you balance writing your own opinion versus what the reader wants? Is there anything that you're like, oh, I don't really want to write about that or I don't agree with it, but I know that my audience is really after this you know, topic or the latest headline? Yeah, good question. So I think you definitely do have to take your... Um, yourself out of this situation um in a way um and I think again it's about kind of thinking about who is going to be buying that outfit you know ultimately you want the readers to be spending money because mm. it all works in the affiliate scheme so it is like you have to have quite a lot of different hats on so you could be talking about any like somebody from Love Island in which case you'll talk to them in like styling for example so within the copy we'll talk about what to wear it with we'll talk to them in a way that we think our younger audience would like to dress like what they would wear it ah, with so and your tone of voice is different yeah and then in other instances like if it's you know keep coming back to her but like Kate Middleton or Amanda Holden like we know that then we have to you know respect like kind of how they like to be spoken to and actually like there's no way that they're going to wear that top with a mini skirt mm. because that's not who they are. So you, I think it's more about, again, being really responsive, like thinking about who's going to be interested in those articles. Because if my mum was on the Daily Mail, like there's no way that she would click on, 
you know, the images of all the stories from with people from like Towie because she doesn't know who the hell they are, but she does know who Kate Middleton is. So yeah, it's about thinking right. Who is reading this article? Who is interested in this item? Let's talk to them in a way that they like to be spoken to, and. I think that's it. It's actually sometimes you are kind of writing it for yourself because sometimes it's easier to write it from that mm. you know, standpoint because you are that customer. In which case, it's it's easier and you can like kind of feed like your personal taste into it because you can think how you would wear it. But it does mean that you've got to have like knowledge of lots of different readerships because ultimately you want to speak to them and persuade them to buy that top or that skirt or that dress or that pair of shoes. So it, you've got to kind of be, have the flex there, I would say. I guess in, in your career, I think it's interesting to know, have you ever had a topic where you weren't too sure what to write about or you didn't get that uh, audience? Or I think, is that something that you've <laughs> well, ever struggled with? You know, you're just like, oh my God, I don't know what to write. <laughs> I think that I've never really struggled as such and not wanted to write something. But okay. I have to say, as I mentioned earlier, like over lockdown, we wrote so <laughs> many stories about people wearing loungewear and underwear, like influence of images and um, like reality TV people like wearing like wearing lingerie and stuff. So I did start to have a bit of like loungewear burnout in that day. <laughs> I can't take any more. What else can I write about loungewear? <laughs> like, everybody's wearing it. Like, I can't, like, flog this horse. Like, enough anymore. is enough. Um, so, yeah, I did start to get a little bit tired from writing about loungewear and underwear, I'd say. But, you know, it's now, I don't mind it now because it's picked up. Like, now that, you know, people are allowed out and they're going, going out stuff. more and stuff, like, there's other stuff to write about. So, yeah, so I don't mind writing about lingerie and underwear and, and um, uh, loungewear anymore because it's peppered in with other stuff but before yeah I did get a bit of um yeah a bit tired of writing about that <laughs> I love that yeah I mean I, I'm here for loungewear but I don't think I could write about it every day oh my god <laughs> so here for loungewear I'm wearing some right now so <laughs> yeah I'm wearing skinny jeans today and I really really regret it I don't know why you do it I to know, yourself I don't I'm definitely in leggings and a hoodie <laughs> And now I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, my legs look so weird in skinny jeans. Like, I feel out of proportion. Time's changing. It's funny, it's funny what you get used to wearing, isn't it? And yeah. Like your, like, your style has totally changed over the last, like, year. That, you know, I never would have worn, like, trackies before. Like, I, didn't own, I didn't own any before the pandemic. I had no joggers, no, no. tracksuit, nothing. And now I'm like... You two are weirdos. I love yeah, an elasticated like, waistband. Love oh my it. god live it <laughs> um i noticed that you have a youtube channel um yeah. and i wanted to ask um and for you to tell us a little bit more about it and mm. uh, an understanding of your journalistic profile because i know earlier you said that it's really important to have that digital presence so is that why you chose to do your youtube or have you done it for another reason no so not at all like the whole youtube thing was something that happened kind of by accident and quite organically in that so I teach at uh, Solent two days a week and I've always been really 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 proactive in you know getting my students like at one with industry like giving them the industry mm. like insights and 
getting guest lecturers to come down to Southampton and, and kind of speak to my students and kind of work with them, like do like workshops and tutorials with them. And as a result of the pandemic, you know, that then wasn't possible. So I wasn't, I wasn't, te- like we were all like teaching online as you guys would be, you know, very akin to. But, you know, so I, I was racking my brains and I thought there must be some way that I can give my students this industry insight that isn't getting guest lectures on campus mm. because we weren't teaching on campus. So when I was planning over summer, I thought, well, maybe I could just like record like a few interviews with people and then I can give that instead of giving them like a like a, some text to read or an article to read, like maybe I could switch up the way that I did like directed study and instead give them like a, an interview to watch. Oh, I love that. So I what a great idea. That. Yeah, like it, but it just happened by accident. So over summer, I just recorded a few. I think I did like four or five and I thought, oh, that's like enough to keep me going for a little while. So like just, but I didn't put them on, I put them on YouTube, but then I would make them private and then just give my students the link. And then I started really enjoying it because, you know, I live alone and like I wasn't seeing anyone like during the pandemic. And, you know, it started to become a really nice thing for me to do, like to have an interview like every single week and chat to somebody really interesting. And it felt, you know, really good for me. So it just kind of started snowballing and then I thought this is ridiculous like I'm interviewing all these like amazing stylists like photographers like PRs like brand owners like why am I keeping these like private so I just thought one day right I'm just going to make them public so I did and then that was that and then like I kind of it's kind of snowballed from there really and I've had such a good response from it like they're I, I am no professional YouTuber at all. I'm <laughs> such an amateur. I mess it up all the time. But the response I've had has been really positive. Like so many of my students have, and I know that they don't just say this to be kind to me, but, you know, they've said like how much they've been enjoying them and like people from industry have been watching them and been finding them really inspiring. And now I'm getting like pictures. Like now I don't even have to ask people. They come to me and they say, come I've got this person to come on, like, would you be interested in interviewing this person? So That's amazing. And I think a lot of people, like, it's now, like, not just thinking about just students, although that's who it is aimed at, like, to give them the industry insight. But actually, I think over the last year, a lot of people have felt, like, got to feel a bit stale in their careers, like, so many people on furlough and out of work that they kind of need this bit of, like, a, like a boost. Like, I interviewed... Um, the PR manager from ASOS and she said god I actually really needed that like that was such an ego boost like that made me feel really good to be able to talk about my career and what I've done and what I've learned and and that felt really good so thanks so much so it kind of works both ways really so yeah so I um have been really enjoying doing it like this morning I interviewed um someone who was like the creative director of Australian Antonian Guy like it's just amazing like I never would have met these people before and now I'm having all of these different people like coming across my across my path who I've managed to speak to so 
yeah, I'm gonna con- I hope to continue it as long as I possibly can. Definitely. Hopefully, yeah. become a bit more of like a podcasting pros like you guys. Are. <laughs> oh, we're not. No, not we're not there. Pete's the pro. We yeah, just we're just We're nothing without Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So it's finding fashion, isn't it, on YouTube? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we'll make sure we tag and uh, pop the YouTube channel in the show notes and stuff because you know, oh, like you said, it's got such a wide audience, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like you know, people in industry would, would listen. You've got students that want to listen. Yeah. I love how that came from. It's amazing, and, and I, I totally agree with what you said. You know, it's one thing the pan- pandemic has taught us. It's actually so much easier to connect with people, like all over the country, all over the world. Like, and yeah. like it's almost like why didn't we think like this before? Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Because you think I think that's the I mean you guys would know but like the fashion industry is so like London centric a lot of the time mm-hmm. and be it working at a university which isn't in London means that it is more difficult to get you know guest lecturers to come there it means that they've got to take a whole basically a whole day out mm-hmm. you know they've got to take a day's holiday to come and actually it means now that you can connect with these people and just take an hour out of their time in their lunch break or after work or whenever is good for them and so it gives you kind of the access to like industry experts that you never would have had before so for all of the negatives of you know obviously it's been a horrific year for everybody but you know that has been like the you know a small silver lining of it is the fact that you know for some students like who have you know not been able to like learn on campus and have done their final year like um, digitally that actually like it has given them like the you know the whole digital revolution over the last years given them that access to people that might they might not normally have had the opportunity mm. to meet absolutely love it well thank you so much Han. thank it's you it's been Hannah. so lovely to uh, to interview oh, you as someone that works in industry and a fellow uh, fashademic um maybe if you know if i ever get rid of laura <laughs> <laughs> I have a kick, Laura. I'll give you a call. Spiteful. Spiteful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Han. Speak soon. Bye. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank Bye. you, Han. Bye. Our like to know today is the fantastic news. I think this is wonderful. Me that too. Selfridges are doing weddings. Love this. I'm oh, actually this. connected with um, one of the ladies on the events team on LinkedIn, and I saw oh. that's where I first saw it. I saw her share it, and she's part of obviously that team that's launched it in London. I thought that is pretty damn cool. I think that's a really cool thing to get married at Selfridges. Yeah. I did a bit of a little bit of research, and they offer three packages. It doesn't disclose prices, oh, but I, I would imagine it's quite hefty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the just the two of us wedding package, which is obviously just just the two of you. If you want to go in a loped self, it's like a, like the New Vegas, isn't it? There's the Earth Lovers wedding package, which is for twenty people, and this is where you can get an appointment with their re-selfridges so pre-loved fashion and accessories um, Love. expert which would be quite fun yeah and then the final package is the all-out extraordinary wedding which again is still for 20 but apparently this is like the shebang this is all the you get your hair your nails done there you get a three-course meal you get wined and dined you get um music and like a um, their in-house dj 
So it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think what's really important, and we've learned from lockdown and, you know, this so-called death of the high street, which isn't even a thing, that stores need to offer experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about experiences, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, it's creating value. I'm like quoting from my PhD here. <laughs> creating value beyond the product itself. So it's not anymore about just going and buying a product. It's about being part of a community. It's engaging further with the brand. And it's having that experience. And I think that's what we've definitely missed. Because if you think about our experience in in shops and retailers at the moment, it's run in and run out with a mask on, sanitise your hands, don't mm. touch anyone. Like, it's almost damaged experiences, COVID. Has. Even though stores have reopened, you know, if you look at... I'm going to go back to Primark, so we'll get to Primark. We've got the, world, got the world's biggest Primark right here in Birmingham. I would totally get married at Primark. Luca, no, you would Luca, not. if you're listening, change no. our plans. No, I wouldn't. You should get married <laughs> down the pyjama aisle. That's what Pajama aisle. Uh, and there's a little Disney cafe, isn't there? With some, like, Disney pancakes. Yeah, I'd totally do that. Um, <laughs> I can see it happening. Yeah, so can I. Um, yeah, so I just think, you know, you go in there, you know, they're now they're at one point their nail salon was closed and all yeah. you know, all those things that they've added in as this amazing store as has been closed because you can't have that close but contact. That will be thriving now. Yes, it will be as as we're coming over the other side. So I think it is really, really important that brands are looking at what they offer and what can make them stand out and the kind of, you know, some people you know, it, it isn't for me, but it doesn't mean that I don't celebrate. I wouldn't go and get married at selfies, but it doesn't I mean that I'd love to attend one. Oh my god, yeah. So if anyone's thinking of getting married, please invite. invite us that I think that would be um that'd be really cool we were really particularly interested in this because we're both uh, brides to be um da, 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 da. yeah I was supposed to be getting married this uh, next year and now I'm getting married this year so I was supposed to be getting married this year and now, now she's getting married, getting married. yeah we totally swapped haven't we so it's really interesting I, said, I think 20 people I mean that you'd be like loving life if it was just that 20 people wouldn't you oh my oh, god I don't like the attention I think it's terrifying just you wait till I walk down that aisle <laughs> <laughs> look at me um so I think yeah 20 people is quite but I suppose for those people that want that intimate experience experience that luxury but that's what i, I think we've learned it. about covid is we don't need this big flamboyant wedding dates okay just have a small intimate thing but i also wonder if they've done this because if you look at debenhams well they've gone mm. gone 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 didn't keep themselves relevant to their R. consumer house of fraser what's going on with house of fraser i don't know weren't they in trouble at one point yeah i can't see them sorry house of fraser we i can't see them around for too long our john lewis in the bull ring has gone which was humongous mm -hmm. big deal what why why have you gone what's happening with you yeah so i think self just has that really special british heritage thing around it which i love mm -hmm. but by doing this it keeps them really relevant and modern and i love it yeah, I like that. And I, what I've always liked about Selfridges is, um, you know, I don't think... Do they have Primark in Selfridges anymore? They do, do they do in the ball ring. Do they in the ball ring? It's been such a long time since I've, I've even been in Selfridges because of us not being in Birmingham so yeah. much for work. But, you know, um, I know they've recently launched Cow in the Birmingham Selfridges, yes. haven't they? So they've got um, Cow Vintage, which is a Birmingham vintage brand, which is really, really cool. And Selfridges is always like a platform. Like you can walk in from the bottom floor and get a £1 Krispy Kreme, or you can go right to the top floor and spend five grand on a handbag. Um, and, yeah, and I think, you know what? If, if we're talking about department stores, there's been a lot in the news around department stores and how the department store model does it work anymore has it changed and that's why i love what what selfridges are doing like you said just to keep themselves really contemporary and and to connect with their consumers they've always been about events haven't they and, and yeah. experience we work with them at bcu don't we but i actually out of any department store obviously not the ones like in america and blah blah, blah but i 
find that Selfridges is a bit of experience. I almost feel like when I'm walking through London Selfridges, I always feel like, oh, oh, this is nice. Oh, yeah, which has probably it's never so been lovely. there with yeah. House of Fraser or Debenhams or, or any no. of those other retailers. It's kind of the same like if you go to like Harvey Nicks or Harrods. Harrods. Oh, God, I love yes. walking through Harrods and pretending oh. that I can buy stuff in there. I had a really nice experience once with um, a, uh, a footballer that I was friends with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not like that. <laughs> Uh, one of my footballer oh, friends when yeah. I lived in London I had the Here best time goes. was going out with one of my friends and I was their permanent third wheel um, um, so we did a really great um, went to, I literally went to the like the personal shopping like celebrity VIP oh, but sat, sat drinking champagne with said footballer and said friend who's now famous um, and um, yeah had a really like the whole it was really really that fun just, just I couldn't that. afford anything they, they were buying and buying furniture and this and sending so and so to get a bag and I was just sat and there you were just sat there drinking my free champagne little Sophie from Wolverhampton having and a lovely time like out with bridesmaids help me I'm poor <laughs> literally that was me and Harrods oh my god that was so oh and also so Liberty, I love Liberty. Yes. Oh, we've got someone coming on, haven't we, from Liberty We do, I'm just, I can't wait to talk to her all Yay. about it. Um, but yeah, I think department stores are interesting, and again, it's been that bit of make or break during COVID, mm. isn't it, as some of them have, have, have not survived it, and some of them have excelled, um, which is really, really exciting. But I think there's a new kind of... Um, Model coming in, you see, like MS has brought a lot of brands, haven't they? I'm starting yeah. to go off so have next. tangent. Yeah, so next it's almost like these, like these other standalone yeah. retailers are becoming these kind of online department stores. So, is that eradicating mm. the need for department stores? So, kudos yeah, to so Selfridges, kudos. Be really interesting to see, you know. Um, some photos and some of the weddings, and yep, yeah, someone's getting married there. Please invite us, tag us in your picture so we can see. Thank you. So we have a really exciting opportunity slash competition to launch with he you here right now. I'm so excited. Laura is so excited. And she I wants to enter her. herself. So we would like to launch um, a competition, what we're going to call the Graduate Guest Slot on the Fashademics. So in line with our next podcast, we're going to be um, speaking to Joy Campbell um, from Graduate Fashion Week. And as you know, um, to all our listeners, we are university lecturers and we really want to not only speak to industry, but we really want to make this a great place for graduates, the future of the industry, to, to talk and um, and have the opportunity to use this as a platform themselves. So we are launching our very own graduate guest slot competition. So what we want you to do before the next podcast is to tag the Fashademics in your story and share it. And we want you to nominate a fellow student. So you can't nominate yourself. From any university, we're not doing this with BCU at all no we anything. want all graduates across the UK across the world if you want to if you're studying here there and everywhere we want you to nominate a fellow student so you might be a student listening to this that studies law and you have a friend that's studying fashion in Nottingham Manchester London wherever they are we want you to tag us in your story and tag that person for our graduate guest slot so this opportunity will be for this graduate to come on our podcast for a, a little in interview within our guest slot where you can talk about uh, your skills, the jobs that you want to get into, your final year projects and all those exciting things. We want to give you a platform to talk to industry and an opportunity to self-promote because self-promotion is really, really important in our industry. So all you've got to do is nominate your friend by tagging them in your story and tagging us at the 
academics and we will let you know the winner. We'll also be launching this with more details on our academics Instagram. So make sure you're following, get tagging. Let's celebrate these amazing graduates. Thanks everyone. So thank you so, so much again for joining us and spending an hour of your very precious life with uh, myself and Laura um, listening to episode seven. How exciting. We're nearly going to be in double figures. Love it. So just as a huge plea from us to please, please, please keep subscribing. If you subscribe, you click that button once, you'll find that podcast every two weeks on that Thursday morning ready for you. Like Santa coming every fortnight <laughs> and giving you the flashademics on a plate. And it means we just stay in the chart which means we can keep on producing these podcasts for you yes please please don't forget you can listen to this episode and lots of other brum radio podcasts on the brum radio podcast channel at brumradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts if you've enjoyed this podcast today, don't forget to rate and review us. We would really love your support and feedback. Also make sure you subscribe or follow us so the next episode of The Fashademics gets to you automatically. You can also find us on Instagram at Fashademics. Right then, are we ready? Yeah. Boy or? You get to the intro. I am. Do you remember what we're talking about? No. Wages. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Okay, yeah. Wages in the fashion industry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the giggles are really bad today. Perfecto. 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 Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.